Hi, and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show, a podcast for counsellors and therapists. With me, Jane Travis, I'm an ex-counsellor that now helps other therapists to grow their practice and to attract more clients more easily. So let's get started. Hi, and welcome back. And if this is your first visit, I'm so glad that you found your way here. Hope you're having a great day so far. And just before I get started, actually, this is episode number 166. So basically, that means that there are another 165 episodes covering subjects from mindset to social media, website to niching, blogging to organization, and some really amazing guest experts as well. So if you are new here, or maybe you've not really looked at what's going on in in the back catalogue, maybe go and check out and see if there are any episodes there that would be interesting to you. Anyway, so question. Do you use video in your marketing, whether that's on your website, on social media, YouTube, or anywhere else? And if not, why not? Well, I would hazard a guess that maybe you have a fear of visibility or possibly a fear of being trolled, or maybe you're not really sure what to say, or maybe, like me, tech scares you. Well, if you've answered yes to any or all of those, then this is the episode for you because today I'm delighted to tell you that we have Sarah Dosange here as my guest expert. Now, if you don't know Sarah, Sarah is the binge eating therapist. She has written a book that's called I Can't Stop Eating. She co-hosts the podcast Life After Diets, but she also has her own very successful YouTube channel called The Binge Eating Therapist, and she's had it since 2019. And as such, she knows a thing or two about video. So today, Sarah's here and she's going to share some advice about managing your fears around visibility, about how you might get started, about what tech you're going to need, and some practical tips about editing. So if this is something you've been planning on doing at some point, let's get started because I think you're going to really like this one. Hi, Sarah. Hello, my darling. <laughs> it's, it's great to have you here. I know you've been on my podcast before, but it's been a while. It's just great to have you here. I know. I feel very honoured to be a returning guest on your podcast, and I hope that I can bring some value to your listeners. <laughs> Absolutely, and I, I hope so too. So for the listeners, we have, we've just decided to jump onto this in a very last-minute way because we wanted to have a little chat about something that's quite important these days, in these days of social media and in these days of marketing, and that is about video, creating video, how to, how to do it, where to put it, the benefits, all of that. So all things video. And I'm not really the best person to talk about this. And I'm as much wanting to learn a bit more as anybody else listening. But Sarah has a video channel, YouTube channel, does podcasting and goes live on Instagram and and all of the good stuff. So Sarah, we'd like to just pick your brain about this, if that's okay. Of course. Well, social media is changing so much. Yes. Before, when I first joined Instagram, just for three or four years ago now, you could put up carousel posts, which were basically like mini blogs. And now all social media is moving towards reels and videos and short form videos. And I've spoken to a lot of therapists that would like to do videos or maybe like to is a bit too strongly. They see the necessity or the benefits of doing videos, but it's overwhelming when you don't know where to start. There's so much to it. So I really want to simplify it a bit today to give people a bit more confidence those who've been wanting to do this for a while, but perhaps haven't known where to start. Yeah. And that's the word, isn't it? It's all about confidence because 
and it, oh, it's all about practice as well. Because I think if you've if you've never done it, if you just try it a couple of times, you'll find out almost immediately whether this is something you're going to enjoy doing and something that you want to maintain in your practice. Yes, because I don't actually enjoy writing it. And you know, Jane, because I've been struggling to be consistent with my email list. For me, I'm somebody who likes talking. Mm. So it can be if you're somebody who prefers writing, that the idea of doing videos always feels like a bit of a pain in the neck. And I think there are ways of doing it, keeping it short, keeping it concise, keeping it simple. But I, I think there's a couple of things. One is the tech that I'm sure we'll talk about. Like how do you actually record a video? How do you edit a video? Very basic editing stuff can be, can feel overwhelming when you don't know what you're doing. But also the emotional side of putting yourself on camera, it can feel quite vulnerable. And there's a freeze response that many people experience when they first start trying to talk to a camera, even if it's just you in the room. And I had it. And actually to give people perhaps a little bit of reassurance, if you went to my YouTube video, if you went to my YouTube channel, sorry, The Binge Eating Therapist, and you went to my earliest videos, I look like a deer in the headlights. And I don't know why I thought, Jane, I thought that I shouldn't look away from the camera. So it's just me staring very intently down the camera for about 10 minutes trying to do this video in one take because I'm too scared of editing. And I also think have permission to not be great at it to begin with. It's the practice part. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same with everything, isn't it? If you've never done it before, then you're just not going to be very good. You're going to have to learn how to do it. You're going to have to practice it until you get to the point where it becomes second nature. I mean, we were talking just in my membership the other day about the the, the incompetence. I, I still forget. I did ask when I was talking to my members, I, said, I can't remember what this called, you know, the, the incompetence thing where you start off as unconsciously incompetent and then you go to consciously incompetent and then you're incompetent and you've got no idea and then you realize how incompetent you are and then you're a bit more oh, I can't remember it either there are going to be people listening to this going for goodness sake ladies it's this. <laughs> sorry guys you can but, google it <laughs> but it's basically the two middle bits are the bits where you're learning you're sort of having to learn something and you're having to sort of practice it so then you can get to the point where you can do it without thinking too much and that's where you are now and I suppose that's where we both are because like I say you've just jumped onto this podcast without a huge amount of preparation and I would never have done that a year ago or two years ago I can't remember how I've had this now but I've, I would never have done that it would have been completely alien to me I would have been far too scared I'd need to know exactly what I'm going to be talking about. See I'm impressed by you I remember pre-COVID when you had that Facebook group and you would go live on a Monday morning in the Facebook group. And I remember seeing you I'd get a notification and I would see you talking. And I thought, wow, how does she do that? How does she just sit there? There isn't another person there. She knows that there are potentially hundreds of people listening live. And she's just able to think and talk on the spot. That, to me, blew my mind at that time, Jane. Mm. So if there are people who listen or see anything that you and I are doing and go, I can't imagine doing that. I want to say that that's really normal. We can't imagine doing something we've never done. Yeah. And of course, what you don't see is the fact that I would be really anxious. I would be really nervous and I'd often get really gabbled. But I've realised recently the thing that I enjoy most is live workshops, talking to people. Because for me, when I'm talking to other counsellors, I feel like I'm talking to friends. Mm. Whereas the thing, I don't really go on go live on Instagram because it feels very different. So it, it's not the same room full of friends. 
So that makes a difference to me emotionally. So yeah. if I'm going live in my membership, it's it's very different to me going live, you know, on on a on a social media channel. I hadn't thought about that before, and I think that's a really good place to start with this. Actually, is thinking, getting people to think about who is your audience. So who are the people that you're wanting to speak to in your videos, and what is it you're hoping they will get out of it? Because I've seen sometimes people will go on social media and they'll do this stream of consciousness about themselves. And I'm thinking, well, what's what's the value point here? What are people supposed to take away from that? Mm. And we've had this conversation before with somebody goes, oh, this thing happened to me and I want this to inspire you. And I'm thinking, don't t- tell me whether it's going to inspire me or, or not. Let me make up my mind myself. So I think if it's anyone who wants to do more videos, starting off with really short ones, because we live in a world now as well where people's attention spans, especially online, we've gone right down. So you want to get right into the meat of it. So when I look at some of the reels of mine on social media that have done the best, anytime I'm waving an object around in my hand. So one of my reels that did quite well was I was talking about food neutrality and I had a carrot in one hand and I had a carrot cupcake in the other hand. And I was talking about how I feel about carrots, how I feel about cupcakes is not the same. How I feel about myself, regardless of which one I eat in which circumstance, stays constant. That is the basis of something like food neutrality. So anytime you can think of a prop, think of it as a visual platform. So if you're somebody who's not, you don't know much about editing, props, I think, can be your friend. Have you ever used props in any of your kind of online or video visual work at all? Or is that not something that really kind of... Um, Not especially. I'll use props in videos. So because I like, you know, I don't, I don't like being seen on camera. This is this is the problem so many of us have. There's just this fear about being on camera, fear about how you look, whether you're going to be good enough. All of those things happen. So like I say, when I'm talking to my members, I feel like I'm just talking to friends. So that's fine. But if I'm talking on social media, I feel like I put myself under pressure to somehow, you know, be to know it all. Mm. Not that I want to come across as that I know it all, but I, I want to come across as, yeah, somebody that knows what they're talking about. Of course I do. We all do, don't we? There's another difference here that I think is an important piece. When you're talking to your audience, your goal in that conversation is not to grow an audience. You're talking to your existing audience. Mm. For for probably the majority of people listening to this, they're looking at growing something on social media. They want to get more followers in the hope of maybe getting more client work or they've got a message that they want to get out there. So it's a different energy that you are bringing when you are trying to appeal to new people compared to, like you say, when you feel like you're just in a room full of friends chatting to people you know. Mm. So I can speak to a couple of things that I think really help in terms of engagement, the reels that are the most engaging, because if you're looking to grow followers, you're looking to increase engagement. So on social media, the things that social media cares about in terms of showing your video to people who don't already follow you, they care about are people staying to watch the whole video. When you scroll through your feed, videos start playing, right? So people who stop, start watching and stay watching, the more people that do this, the algorithm reads this and they go, oh, this must be a good reel because people who are seeing it, they want to watch it until the end. Great. We're going to show it to more people. That's how algorithms work. So the the goal is you want to keep people watching to the end and you want them to engage with your post. And engagement on social media is usually giving it a like or leaving a comment. Those are the two main ones. Or if you're looking at YouTube or Facebook, Instagram, any of those, TikTok, it's likes and comments. So with my podcast, for example, we had a reel go viral. 
did I tell you about this? I don't know. Remind me. <laughs> Remind me. <laughs> we had a real go viral. Now, my podcast is Life After Diets, and we are talking about life without dieting, basically making peace with food. But we had a conversation on our podcast about script. In the US, they call it cursive and print, which is how I would call it in my UK brain, is joined up writing and not joined up writing. And so we're having this debate about it. One, what it's called, what we're talking about. We're both confused culturally to what the other one's referring to. And two, which one we think is the best. And I'm teasing Steph because she likes to write in print, not joined up. I'm teasing her because I said that's how I wrote when I was a kid. And it's good natured banter between the two of us because we've known each other for a long time. Now on social media, people watch this and they were outraged by what they saw as me being very arrogant. They were outraged with Steph because she was complaining or she was saying something critical about the school system in the US. So now she's a bad parent because she expects the schools to do everything. And people wanted to put in their two pence about what they called it and which one they thought was best. So it went massive. Unfortunately, it didn't grow our podcast because our podcast is about life after dieting. And so therefore, people we're not getting more followers from a reel like this because they're going to look at the rest of our content and it's not going to be relevant to them. So this brings me to the second bit. If you have something, and this is this is, I can, I, I know the resistance that a lot of therapists and people will have to this because I feel it myself. Controversial subjects. If you can create a sense of controversy. So whenever I talk about weight loss injections, they always do really well because people have strong opinions. If you're going to talk about something that people have strong opinions about, people will watch it and go, I, I want to have my say. And that's when they'll leave a comment. And it's unfortunately why a lot of the stuff that gets engaged with the most tends to be outrage stuff. You know, people are having a rant about something that is wrong with the world. Everyone wants to kind of pile on to that. So it's thinking about maybe if you've got a niche or even within therapy, thinking about things that might be a little bit controversial. And I think what does that, that is... Do to you? What does that do to you, Jamie? Do you think oh, to me, as a people yeah. pleaser, I'm, I'm squirming. I'm going, oh my God, no, I can't do that. No. And I know so many counsellors will feel the same because I think in counselling, it, it kind of... It pushes those buttons of personal disclosure. Should I even be sharing an opinion? Should I let people know how I feel about something? Is that okay? So I think it sort of opens up that, that sort of chain of thought. And I think for a lot of counsellors, that would feel too much, too difficult. Because one of the, one of the big things people are worried about is what if somebody starts to be a troll? What if, what if I get trolled by people? I mean, has that ever happened to you? I'm not proper trolling, I wouldn't say. Like, it's pretty rare for anybody to just be mean. Some people strongly disagree with what I say. And that's okay, because I, I don't know if I'm, I'm right. And I try to be humble in my opinions and go, this is how I'm thinking about it, and be open to other opinions. So a lot of the time, especially if it's a long, a long response where people are criticizing this and criticizing this and criticizing that, you can normally find a thread of truth in there somewhere, a point where you do both agree. So I had this debate on one of the weight loss injections one with this doctor who was very pro them. And she was like very respectfully laid out her argument with a lot of thought. And I, I looked at that and I thought, we're on the same page. Like we want the same thing here. We're just both imagining that maybe it lies somewhere else. So I acknowledged that in my response. And I acknowledged the places where I thought she had a point. And I said, and these are the places where I, I'm still thinking about it like this. And it was an incredibly the social media and incredibly respectful discourse but I think what the mistake people might make is if I'm talking about a controversial topic that means I suppose I'm supposed to share a strong opinion about it and you don't 
Mm. You could open up questions and just go, oh, this thing that's happening in the news, mm. like I thought, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that it could mean this or it could mean that. Yeah. What do you think? Exactly. You don't have to, yeah. like, place yourself. You can sit nicely on that fence. You can see both yeah. sides from the fence. There's nothing wrong yeah. with sitting on the fence with a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. So something happens on Coronation Street and you can go in and say, this thing happened. I can see that they might think this, but then I could also see they might think that. What do you think? And that starts that conversation and debate, yes. doesn't it? Yes. You want to start debates and you don't have to put yourself right in the centre yeah. of it and leave yourself vulnerable to attack. Yeah. So you don't have to say, I think it's such and such. You can just yeah. leave it for them. Yeah. Yeah. So I can say with the weight loss injections, I'm concerned that we have zero evidence on eating disorders. Well, there is something now on binge eating, but it's three months worth of data. And this is my concern that it's being dished out and we don't have the evidence for the impact in these areas. Yeah. That's it. I'm just stating a fact. And I'm, and I'm, you can hear my concern, but I'm not there saying nobody should do this or everybody should do this. This is a great idea. This is a terrible idea. Like, I don't want to be black and white about anything. Yeah. And when you're not black and white about anything, it's much harder for people to attack you. Yeah. So if you put something out there and you say, uh, so this thing's happened on Coronation Street and some people might think this, some people might think that, it, you know, what do you think? And somebody starts, you know, I don't know what I'm saying here. I'm thinking somebody might get defensive, but it, they wouldn't get defensive because you're not putting a, an actual opinion out, are you? Yeah. You're, you're inviting them to yeah. give their opinion. There's an mm. invitation there, like you're wanting to listen. So yeah. let's say, to use your example of Coronation Street, this feels like a little insight into your life here, Jane. Well, no, honestly, <laughs> I have, I've not watched Coronation Street for at least 20 years, I swear. I haven't. Yeah. I don't know why I say that, but yeah. I don't, you know what I let's mean. Say, let's say, let's say traitors. Let's say traitors. Traitors is <laughs> brilliant. We're obsessed okay. with it at the moment. <laughs> we are obsessed with traitors. Let's say it's traitors, right? And somebody calls someone else a narcissist, right? So you might kind of talk about this clip where one person calls another person a narcissist. And it could be, well, they're calling them a narcissist because they're saying they're selfish. And actually, this is a mistake that often people make is they, they mistake narcissism with selfishness as if it's just that. Anytime someone's selfish, they're narcissistic. Are we using this word? too freely don't even answer the question there's an implied something behind it but you're not you're not committing yourself to anything yeah and anything that has a question in it is really helpful and ideally not a question just like oh what what, what do you say or share your thoughts like something that's a little bit more compelling so I did a reel called what if emotional eating doesn't exist and then I spoke about what if we reframed it and it looked like that like would that make sense to people so it was an idea, it was a thought that I had about reframing this idea of emotional eating. And then I just put it out there. I'm like, what do you think of this? And then it, it started a discussion about mm. that with people going, oh, actually, that's useful. I think about it like this. So you can have an idea, you can have a question, put it out there, put questions out to people. Yeah. And that's it. That I think that's the sort of thing, that's a little trick that you can sort of keep in your back pocket so that you can actually get out there and get that engagement, start people talking, because these are things that people are going to have opinions on and they might have a strong opinion on it and people like to talk about their opinions. So that is going to get people talking and the benefits of that are that you're going to get seen, it's going to grow your social media, you're going to get seen as an authority in you know whatever your niche is and that it's just all, all, all positive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think so often people think that on social media they just have to put information yes. on social media. 
that people need. So someone going five ways to end emotional eating and they do really generic stuff like phone a friend or do this or do that, whatever. Not many people are going to care on the whole. People aren't going to care. But if you did a post, even just talking about the pain and the self-judgment that people feel around emotional eating, well, now you've got an emotional hook. Yeah. You're not doing anything controversial. You're just describing something. I'm often surprised how often content I do does really well where I'm just describing a problem. I haven't even offered a solution. Yeah. People have just gone, oh my goodness, yeah, that's me. Yeah. So Be- because it shows that you understand, doesn't yeah. it? It shows that you understand. Yeah. And it offers comfort to people because they read it and they go, oh my goodness, I'm not the only one. Yeah. Someone's putting into words what, what's been going on in me and I've never put it into those words before. So there is an opportunity to really offer some emotional comfort and reassurance through what you post as well. Mm-hmm. If you're someone who's going, I don't want to be on social media starting discussions. There are other ways around that as well. And then, of course, the last one that people always tend to respond to more actively is personal experience, which, of course, comes into the self-disclosure thing. Mm. And as you know, I'm somebody who is more at the more self-disclosing end of the spectrum for therapists. And I think my willingness to self-disclose has been one of the most beneficial thing to other people who have felt helped by it. And I'll die on that hill. Mm. I don't think every therapist needs to or should or anything like that. We all have different levels of tolerance for vulnerability and wanting to be seen or not wanting to be seen. But if you have these, you, I think we learn so much from other people's experience. And I tell you the other piece, if I share a little piece of my story for when I was struggling with binge eating, I share what happened. I share what I did. I shared how, how things improved. When you hear someone else's story, there is so much permission to just take out the bits that resonate with you, which is very different to an expert going, if you do ABC, you'll feel better. Mm. Yeah. We have a very different reaction to that. Stories, I think, are such a way to engage people um, because, and for people to learn. Yeah. Because one of the things I'm always trying to tell like, tell my members or, or anybody that listens to me is to try to step away from being like teachy or preachy. Because you don't want to be out there saying, you know, saying like I've got I've got the answers. Because that's not what it's all about, and that's one of the reasons that people feel awkward doing marketing, whether it's blogging or YouTube or you know, video or social media. There's this feeling that well, I don't know the answers. Like, who am I to say that? Who am I to talk about anxiety? I I don't have the answer. Well, nobody does. Nobody has the answer. And if you think you've got the answer, I think you maybe need to have a look. think about that because, you know, there's usually there's never just one absolute right answer to anything. So your opinion is just as valid as anybody else. And, and demonstrating your knowledge through sharing a story that talks about that situation. Again, it's, you know, I always come from the marketing point of view. So for me, it's like getting that, it's that, it's the therapeutic relationship getting started through the medium of, of, you know, video or blog or whatever, because people are starting to see you as human. People are starting to see that you understand the problems and that's really powerful. Yes. Yes. And, and, and they want to connect to you as a person. So I think somebody who's got a really lovely style in her videos is, I think she's probably been on this podcast, Elsie Owen. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. People pleasing therapist. Yes. So she's people pleasing therapist. So she's speaking to people pleasers. And she has a really 
kind, like lovely way of just speaking. And often she's in like a cozy sweater or she's holding a cup of tea or something like that. And there's this really nice energy, I think, around the way she talks on camera. So that speaking to camera piece, I think there's a, a couple of things to think about. One is it is really something that only gets easier with time. You are going to look awkward in your first few videos. I think most people are. And if 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 you're anything like me, I want to be able to jump in and be good straight away. <laughs> I just want to be able to do it and be good. So most of the time people don't need a camera. I do all my recordings just on my iPhone for YouTube and everything like that. The cameras are absolutely good enough. You want to get it on some kind of stand or tripod and have it at eye level. You don't really want to be looking down on the camera unless you've got a reason to because it's part of the vibe or something that you're going for. You want it to kind of be at an, an eye level so you're looking into it. And also this depends on the person because most cameras have a forward facing camera and they have the back camera. The camera that looks outwards on the back of the phone is a higher quality camera. You don't need to use a higher quality camera if it's just for social media. But some people prefer to use the back camera because they don't want to see themselves. You know, if you have it on the yeah. forward facing one, you can see yourself. Yeah. I prefer to be able to see myself because I feel pretty, pretty immune to seeing myself now. But I think a lot of a lot of people perhaps don't necessarily feel comfortable. So think about which way around you want the camera. And then when you're talking, you're just looking right down the camera. Because I'll still see it sometimes. You probably see it as well when people are doing the forward facing one. And I'm like, you're looking at yourself. You can tell because your mm. eye line is lower than the camera. When you're looking directly into the camera, people will experience it as you looking straight into their eyes. Mm. And don't be afraid to look around when you're thinking. That is how we communicate normally as well. We don't tend to just stare people down when we're the one talking. Normally as the listener, we look and we don't tend to break gaze so much. But as the speaker, we our eyes move around as our brain is processing. So a couple of things like that, just from a very basic set up I think this stuff when you've been doing it for a while you're like this stuff seems obvious but when you haven't been doing it it's not necessarily obvious at mm. all yeah you, you just see it actually don't you on things like the news or something like that they'll have a guest expert in on the news and there's some guy in a suit looming over the picture <laughs> <laughs> because they haven't put it haven't put the camera up or yeah. haven't put their computer up so yeah it's slightly scary when that happens yeah I try and see up their noses if I can <laughs> <laughs> You're a strange lady. You're a strange. <laughs> so, so imagine that I'm going to sort of say, right, I'm going to, I'm going to have a go at this. What advice would you maybe give about how to get comfortable doing it? Yes. Have a little think about what you want your background to look like. One of the, one of the best pieces of advice I found quite early on in my YouTube videoing is I bought one of those ring lights. Don't use a ring light. I mean, unless you really, really like how it looks, a lot of the time you end up with these big circles around your eyes. And because it's this artificial light, a lot of the time it doesn't look great. Natural light, you cannot beat. So if you can, being up, being close to a window. The other thing that you can do on an iPhone, which I do quite a lot, is you can turn the light exposure up. So rather than my face looking quite dark, you turn the light exposure up and it lightens your face up. And then you just look, you look better lit. So this, I think, is often the difference between videos that look very, you know, amateur, homemade. And those that seem to have this professional sheen is a lot to do with just some really good lighting. If you can do it in front of a window, that is going to give you the best light. Mother Nature has given us the best light mm -hmm. for videos. 
and it will light your face up so you don't have heavy shadows on your face. So watching out for things like heavy shadows on your face, I think, is is a nice start. I wouldn't over-focus on things in the background. I mean, obviously, you don't ideally want a pile of washing in the background. You want it to be fairly clear. You don't want it to be overly distracting unless there's something in the background that you want people to notice. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't overthink that too much. And then just making sure that you are in a relatively comfortable position. I think there are benefits to doing it standing up. Mm. There's a different energy when standing up, especially if you're just doing a 60 second or 30 second reel that you want it to be sharp and snappy. It's very different to going on and doing a cozy live for half yeah. an hour where you're answering questions. Yeah. When we stand up, we have a different kind of energy in us. So I quite often will do my YouTube videos standing up. That I think is kind of, can you think of anything else that people would need to know about the kind of setup itself that I'm, I'm missing here? The actual here? setup? Um, mm. Well, no, I mean, you know, far more than me. I, I, I know that being, you know, in front of a window is the best way to do it. I know that. But the, the, you need less than you think. I mean, you don't even need a tripod. You can just, you know, put your phone up on some books or something. So don't let that stop you. Don't let not having a tripod stop you. You know, if you decide this is going to, you know, if you decide you want to do this, then maybe you can buy a, tri- a tripod, but they don't have to be dear. Mm-hmm. So just use what you have to get started. Just give it a go. Just get stuck in there and give it a go, I think, is the is the big thing, isn't it? Yes. And I, I have a fancy microphone for podcasting, but for YouTube, I use a lapel mic that plugs into my phone. I did get a Bluetooth one and I do not recommend them wireless microphones unless they are high quality often the sound is not great at all this little plug-in lapel for the iphone mic i can't remember how much it is it's inexpensive it's like 10 or 15 pounds something like that for this microphone i'll send you the link jane and perhaps you can pop it great pop it below for people because it just makes the sound quite nice and, and clear and crisp but if you are just doing a 30 second thing for social media and it's your first few don't worry too much about the equipment so I don't know if you, sometimes it's just exciting to get all the equipment and we feel like we need all the equipment mm. before we can start, but it's kind of, we're just kicking the pebble down the road. Stand of some kind is usually helpful. You can prop your phone up, but then it's always at a slight angle on the whole. So a stand is, is ideal, but sometimes, especially for a quick video, it doesn't even matter if you're hand holding it, your camera on your phones will have stabilization. So although it will move a bit, it's not going to be jumpy like camcorders used to be in the old days, which I'm sure you don't remember, Jane. No, I'm far too young. Exactly. <laughs> I think the the practicing part is to just have a play around because a lot of people find that the minute they look down a camera, they they, they freeze something something different. Like they feel awkward. Do you do you experience that at all, Jane? Oh you God, yes. And I do this every time with a podcast. Every time I have a podcast guest on, I'll say to them, right, you know, this is what we're going to do. And don't worry if you get anything wrong because we can we can edit that out. And we go live and I'm the one who gets it wrong right at the start. There's just something about getting started that is tricky, isn't mm-hmm. it? <laughs> and I do that every time, nearly every yeah. time. I've not done it today, but yeah, yeah. There's, there's something about just getting started that can t- you need to take a run up to it sometimes, don't you? Oh, agreed. And I experience that now all the time. With my when I record my YouTube video, I normally end up doing about six starts before I get into it. And the same with the podcast for the longest time. It used to be our, our joke. We didn't really know how to start our podcast and we didn't really know how to end them until we warmed up and then getting out again was just it's something about it's almost like a transition, isn't it? So yes, I think that's that that is to be expected mm. even after doing this for a while. I think even getting your camera 
not pressing record and practicing. Just practice talking into that camera when you know there is zero pressure of any recording or any record of whatever it might be. And just reel off what you had for breakfast. Just talk about your plans for the rest of the day. Just do a couple of little vlogs and things for yourself. I think another thing that we haven't touched on that maybe people find a bit tricky is seeing yourself on camera. Mm. It can bring up all kinds of judgments about our appearance or judgments about our mannerisms. The first time I tried to set up a YouTube channel, what I did, I set up a YouTube channel a couple of years prior to the one I run now. I did a video. I watched it back and I freaked out because I thought there was something about the way I spoke that really threw me off. My mannerisms threw me off. And I had, I went into a real kind of body image crisis about it. And I posted that video. And then a day later, I took it down and shut the channel. And I didn't go back to YouTube for another 18 mm. months after that. So I, I, I really want to normalize this stuff. Because I think if you're watching someone who's been doing it for a while, it's like, well, it's okay for you. Mm. Like, you can do this. You're just naturally good at this or whatever it might be. And I, I want to say, like, I've gone through that. Mm. You tend to become, unless there is like some deep rooted body image things that you perhaps need to get some support with, I found you tend to become kind of desensitized to it. So on the whole now, when I'm editing myself, it doesn't even particularly feel like it's me. Like this is almost become this object that I'm just editing and just trying to get this message out. So I think that does get a bit easier for most people, not necessarily everybody. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I can remember the very first time I, I was being interviewed by somebody, and this was a long time ago, a long time ago. The channel that I was on, was it called? Gun with the P. I can't remember, a long time ago. And I was being interviewed, and it was the first time I'd been interviewed on camera. And I sat there, and I didn't move the whole of the time. I just literally didn't move. I was absolutely terrified. It was awful. And the first few times you see yourself talking, it's it's I it's horrible. It's mm-hmm. like, do I really look like that when I'm talking? Because mm-hmm. you don't normally see yourself, do you, in that situation? But then you realise that this is just me. This is who I am. And you realise that you're fine. You know, you're fine. So I think having worries about that is kind of normal. Mm-hmm. But we can overcome them, I think, largely by just keep doing it. And so you get to the point where you just get used to seeing yourself. Would you agree? Yeah, in January 2020, when my book came out, I went on a panel show on Sky 3. And when I watched that back, I, I, I was horrified when I saw myself. And also I felt like I waffled and I didn't answer the question. I ended up being cut off. And that sent me back into therapy. <laughs> like it really <laughs> did. It really did feel like the, the rug had been pulled under my feet. Yeah. So these moments, like this flooded response that we can have when we see ourselves, I just want to really normalize that for people. It's horrible when it happens. It feels horrible. But I really want people to know that they're not the only ones that experience that, that this is a, and that that for me makes it easier when I hear other people having these reactions and I look at them and I'm like, well, you look absolutely fine to me. So maybe I'm okay. Maybe I'm just okay as I am and I can be okay with that. And that's why I think it's important to talk about this piece as well, because Mm. it is probably going to come up for quite a few people and that that is human and normal and understandable yeah absolutely absolutely it's 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 definitely scary to do it to get started but it is literally so so much easier you just have to get used to it I can now go live in my membership <laughs> still not going live on Instagram but I will I will watch this space I still get I go live in my membership and I don't really think about it you know whereas there was a time when I'd go on and I would be 
Mind you, you're saying you didn't notice that in me. So sometimes we're very good at hiding this fear. So you might just be going on feeling awful, but coming across absolutely fine. So fake it till you make it. Exactly. I think people rarely see how nervous we feel inside. Yeah. And then a big game changer for making videos was learning the very basic editing. Yeah. And this is one of the things I know I struggle with because I, anything to do with tech, it's like anything to do with, with tax returns. I go into this sort of strange, scared little girl thing of, it's tech, I can't do that. And I think that holds me back as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I know there are so many simple apps now for it. Yes. So the app that I use and the free version is absolutely fine. I'm still using the free version. I'll probably update to pro at some point is called cap cut. And so it's a free app. You could, you can edit any kind of videos really from YouTube to Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever it might be. And this is my process, right? Let's say this is, this would be the same with a YouTube video and with short videos as well. So I'll get on and I'll start talking. I go, yada, 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 yada. And then I'll go, oh shit. What do I say? Am I allowed to say shit? I think so. <laughs> I'll be like, oh dear, what am I going to say next? <laughs> and I need a second to think. So in those moments, I go, da, 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 and I stop and I hold myself as still as I can. Like physically I'm frozen and I'm just looking at the camera and I am just thinking about what I want to say next. And then when I've got it, I go, da, 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 da. oh, what am I going to say next? Think, pause. Da, 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 da. And then I edit out pauses. Boom. And then it looks really articulate. It looks like it flows, but actually there's a lot of these cuts in it. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's a really good idea. Mm. It gives you plenty of time because otherwise there's a risk, certainly for me, that I would, I would go off on a tangent. And sometimes I do and I leave it in and sometimes I do and I, and I don't leave it in. But it really helps to just take your time and to gather your thoughts together. And even if I've got notes, sometimes I have notes. When I pause, my eyes are flicking to my notes and I'm looking at the next point that I want to make. Then I look back to the camera and I start talking again and I just cut. So in something like CapCut, you, you go to like add your project. You pick your video from your camera. It'll offer you the option to do that. Your video appears on like a timeline in CapCut. And so you can go through your video and when you reach the point where you pause, you just stop the video. There's a little split button. You hit split. You play it through to the end of the pause. You hit split again, and then you click on the pause and you hit the delete button. Oh, wow. That sounds so easy. It's as simple as that. The important thing is, is to make sure ideally. So one of the ways to make the cut smoother, because you will see a slight cut and that's fine. People are used to that. It's, it's very forgiven in on YouTube and on social media that if somebody's speaking and there's a slight, like there's a slight, you see a slight movement where you see there's a cut, people don't mind that at all. It's not an issue. A couple of things that make it smoother. If you can, and don't try and do this deliberately, but if I can, I try to cut on a blink because if I've blinked at the same time as I cut, the cut just goes a lot smoother, just in terms of how your face moves on the screen. And obviously keeping yourself as still as possible helps. The other thing that helps is let's say I go da 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 and then I pause. When I start talking, if I animate myself when I start talking, that helps. So I move my head a bit as I start to talk so that then when the cut comes, the cut comes as my head's moving. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. So these are just a couple of little things that I just learned over the time about making those cuts look a little bit smoother. And then you just, you hit the export button and it downloads the video onto your phone or your tablet and then you can just post it wherever you want to post it. 
you make it sound so easy. <laughs> you make it sound so easy. This is definitely on one of the things that I'm going to do this year. It's definitely on my to-do list. And I, I want to say, if you're listening to this and you're like a little bit like me, where you feel a little bit awkward about going on social media or, or getting your face out there, let's do it together. Let's <laughs> let's make a pact and say, right, yeah, let's do this because it, it's just about getting out there, isn't it? Yeah. And this this kind of the video editing part, you might use it because you want to put a little video on your website, just an introductory video. And Psychology Today offers you the option to upload a little video here. All of this editing stuff you can do with that. So I think the most, if I were to really kind of cut down the practical aspects, get yourself in front of a window if you possibly can. Everyone looks better in front of a window. Get yourself, use CapCut, do the pausing so that you really have time to think about what you want to say next, because you can even write out everything you want. You could say a couple of sentences, read the next bit, look at the camera, say a couple of sentences again, and really practice just talking, looking at a camera. Don't be afraid to look around. It looks just way more natural than when you're staring, barreling your eyes down that camera, which was the mistake that I made at the beginning. And how far you've gone from that person that was really scared to you you know, you come on a YouTube channel, you do lives all the time. I mean, it's... I don't do many lives. Don't you? No. You seem I to. <laughs> no, I did a live on New Year's Eve and that was the first one I'd done for about a year. I've only ever done two lives on YouTube and also going live on Instagram. You mentioned that, Jane. It's not really a much used feature now, so you can do it, but I don't know that it's necessarily as... It used to really improve your reach if you did right. lives. And I've heard a few people talking about it doesn't so much now. I don't know about the reality of that. But when I went live on YouTube, I'm answering questions and I'm trying to read the chat at the same time as going live. And I don't, I felt more nervous, understandably, because I'm live. And also afterwards, there was a couple of answers that I gave that I was like, oh, man, I, I could have one answer, especially I felt like I was a bit short with the person. And I thought I was a bit flippant. And afterwards, that ate away at me a little bit. So I was like, I didn't want to come across as flippant, but I might have done. So I think there's something in 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 all of this, really, is giving yourself permission to just be human. Like, we're yeah. human beings. We're not going to get it right. Yeah. We're going to say the wrong thing at times, or we're going to say things that's going to upset one person or another person. I had somebody comment on one of my videos. They said, this should have had a trigger warning because you mentioned a painful medical procedure. And I thought, you know, my initial reaction, if I'm being really honest, was like, for goodness sake, am I not allowed to talk about anything? It wouldn't occur to me that if I'm talking about a medical procedure that I had, it was a personal anecdote, that that would need a trigger warning as well. So I think sometimes this idea of trigger warnings, I think, can be a, a sticky area too for some people as well. And I guess it's knowing the main ones in your area or your niche. So things like suicide always need a trigger warning. There's lots of areas within the eating disorders that benefit from trigger warnings. What else? What other subjects do you think of, Jane, that need trigger warnings? I don't know. That? Maybe sexual abuse or rape, something yep. like that might. Yeah. 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 So when you're giving a trigger warning, if you need to on any of your content, that's just giving that at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Is, Baby is loss, helpful. I guess, as well. Yeah. 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 But I, I think you make such a good good point there, Sarah, because we aren't trained actors. We aren't... You know, that's not our job. You're a counsellor. As a counsellor, you're just out there that, trying to let people see that you can help them. And let's face it, a lot of the people that watch you on YouTube, they're never going to be your 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 client. 
but you're helping. So you've got people that will see you and think, oh, yes, I'd like to work with her. But the majority of people never will. It's just a really, really cool way of giving back. You know, it's the same with this podcast. You know, I do it because I like helping people. And yeah, people will come. Sorry, I'm going to stop now. Just talking bollocks. <laughs> in fact, Jane, can I request to your editing guy to leave that in? <laughs> you know, because it's this classic thing of you see an edited version, right? People, when they see my YouTube videos, they see an edited version. It's the same with that. And there is such a humanness behind it where we hear ourselves sometimes and we go, oh, for goodness sake, Sarah, will you just shut up? What are you going on about? <laughs> and it's like you had one of those moments. And if you can leave that in for your listeners to go, like, oh, my goodness, if Jane has those moments, maybe it's okay if I have those moments to really yeah. humanise what it is we're doing. It's such a yeah. weird thing to do, to put yourself out there, but to potentially anybody to hear what you're saying, to see you and have an opinion about it and tell you that opinion. Yeah. There was one YouTube, gone. No, I was just going to say it's quite interesting that I'm just at the point of telling people not to worry about being perfect. And then I'm going, oh, no, I haven't got that bit quite right. <laughs> it's true. It's like, well, it's fine for everyone else. Like, I really believe it's okay for everyone else. I'm not even just saying that. But for me, like, I've got to do it this way. I think I, I messaged you about it at the time, but not long ago, I put a YouTube video up and I'd, I'd missed one of my cuts. So I'm talking, I'm going, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's just me for like seven seconds, just staring at the camera. <laughs> My mind is trying to think about it. And literally when I saw it, I was like, ah. I did something like that. I put my podcast out and, you know, just merrily put it out night before, scheduled it. And then I got a couple of emails saying, Jane, um, I don't know if you meant to do that on your podcast. And I was like, oh my God. And I'd not put the edited version out. So I'd put the unedited version <laughs> And that usually involves quite a lot of swearing, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be swearing. So, yeah, we all do it. You've just got to laugh at it, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's about, I guess, trying not to take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Really, and I know this is easier said than done, but it's a really, and I, I come back to all the time, reminding myself that none of this is personal. Mm. Even an attack on, on appearance is not personal. Someone put a comment on there going, Oh, I really like what she's saying, but like she does something with her tongue that I just find really distracting. <laughs> because I've almost, I've almost got this like lisp. <laughs> so I know that. And it's like, what are people uh, like? What are people like? Oh. Right, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> thanks. Well, I think that's 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 good. I think that's Ooh. brilliant. I hope people have found that really useful. Now, you did. You were thinking about doing a course about producing videos, weren't you? Yeah, I was thinking about doing a course for therapists about setting up their YouTube channels, especially, yeah. and, and helping them out with that. And I guess my my reluctance is I don't want to do another online thing. And for me, if I was going to get help with it, I basically want I would want someone to hold my hand the whole way. I would want somebody sitting next to me when I'm doing the editing who can show me how to edit because there's so much online CPD stuff and whatever. And I'm fed up of being at my computer all the time. So I think the only thing that I'm going to potentially start offering and people are welcome to message me if they're interested would actually be like one-to-one. -one. And I'm in Bournemouth at the moment. So I mean like somebody come to my flat, let's record some videos together. I'll sit down with you and edit it and answer any questions you have about setting up channels or whatever that might be, help you script stuff and all of that. And that would be offered in like a coaching in-person capacity because I'm just not interested in spending more hours sitting on my computer. And I love connecting with therapists anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah. So if people were like really keen to to do that and want to come and hang out with me for half a day or something like that, then feel free to send me a message. And uh, I do. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to come and hang out with you and have lunch and maybe do some work. We'll, we'll, we'll get our diaries out. After this <laughs> oh, babe, that was brilliant. Thank you so much. And to the to, if you're listening to this and that's been helpful, just get in touch with Sarah. So what, what are you on Instagram? I'm the Binge Eating Therapist on Instagram and same on YouTube. And my podcast is Life After Diets. My website is thebingeeatingtherapist.com as well. Cool. So I'll put all those details below this recording somewhere. But yeah, go and connect, say hi, and you can have a look at what Sarah's up to. Thank you very much, Sarah. That was fantastic. Thank you, Jane. See, I told you she's great. And I've decided that in Q2, so basically in April, so April to June, I'm going to be focusing on producing video and getting more comfortable with it there. I said it out loud. There's no going back now. Now, Sarah's been a guest on this podcast before. So go and check out episode 81, which is called The Reality of Consistency and episode 37, How Having a Niche Diversified My Business. And just a note, the lapel mic that Sarah talked about, she had a look and it's no longer available on Amazon. So what you need to do is just look for a lapel mic that actually connects directly to your phone and that should do the trick. Now, if you don't know Sarah, Sarah is a TA psychotherapist. Like I say, she's the author of the book, I Can't Stop Eating. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But really, she's just passionate about helping those people who struggle with binge eating and or body image to find peace and freedom around food. And she mentioned in the podcast that if you're either in or around Bournemouth or happy to travel there, Sarah is offering to help you on a one-to-one basis to get started with doing some live or recorded video. So if that sounds good to you, or you want to check out her YouTube channel, her podcast, her book, her training, or anything else, go and check out thebingeeatingtherapist.com slash how can I help. So all that's left to say is, look, thank you so much for tuning in to the Grow Your Private Practice show. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to stay updated on my latest content, make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button on your favourite podcast platform. This way you'll never miss an episode and you'll always be the first to know when I release any new content. So go ahead, hit that follow button now and let's continue to grow your private practice together. Okay, you have a fabulous rest of the week and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me this week. And if you're ready to take action to grow your practice, check out growyourprivatepractice.co.uk. Bye for now.